You are listening to the Equip Podcast. This weekly course seeks to equip our church, and we pray it can help you as well. Check out more resources at rockycreek.church. Good afternoon. Good evening. My name is Taylor Wolf, and I've served with the International Mission Board for the last eight years. Um, I'm actually from Greenwood area, and um, my wife and I went to the mission field eight years ago with two kids, and we now have four. Uh, and so I have the privilege this afternoon of sort of walk, walking us through how do we get to where we are, um, how do we sort of function, and what are some of the challenges that we're facing, and then we're going to sort of pass it off and go back and forth. What we do want to say up front is, hey, if you've got some questions, we'd like to hear those. So please raise your hand as we go. Um, we've got a few less than normal, I know, and so uh, we want to capture those questions as they come. Uh, so if you got your sheet, we're going to fire hose this thing, uh, but you're not surprised because Travis Agnew normally teaches this class and he just spews. And so uh, if you would just hold on, we're going we're gonna to go through this. Uh, so the International Mission Board uh, was established in 1845 at the first uh, annual meeting of the Southern Baptist Convention. That meeting was held in Augusta, Georgia. And at that meeting, they decided they needed an, an entity or organization, a mechanism to send missionaries around the world. And it was decided at that point to launch with the Foreign Mission Board. The first missionary uh, that was appointed to the Foreign Mission Board was Samuel C. Clopton. And he was appointed as a missionary to the Foreign Mission Board the same year in 1845. Um, he served in China, lasted less than a year, and was killed by illness. Um, this is a common theme for many of the early missionaries with the International Mission Board. Uh, I keep saying International Mission Board, but right now we're calling it the Foreign Mission Board because that's what they started with. The Foreign Mission Board was established in 1845. Sorry, the Foreign Mission Board. No, We current. What's that? First mission. Oh, illness. Illness. Sorry. So John Day uh, was appointed as the first African-American missionary in 1846, so a year later. He was a free man, a free slave, uh, and he went to Liberia to serve uh, in that nation. Uh, He was the first appointed African-American missionary. In 1871, Lula Wilden became the first appointed single missionary to China. Most people don't know that because the name that we're about to talk about is a little bit more popular. And let's see if we can get that name up here on the screen. I think we're maybe dead. That's okay. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. Um, let's see what's on here. All right. If you need me to. Let me see if I can just sit here with this. All right. John Day. Let's go. In 1871, uh, so we have Lula. She's appointed as the first single missionary. I think I can hold it. Get it? Yep. Uh, and this is the lady who sort of overshadows her in the terms of Southern Baptist life. You recognize this name, Charlotte D. Lottie Moon. Lottie Moon was appointed by the Foreign Mission Board to serve as a missionary to China, and she would go on to serve there for the next four decades. The reason I say that she's overshad- or, uh, that Lula is overshadowed is because, as Southern Baptists, you may recognize the Lottie Moon Christmas offering that happens on an annual basis. This is the direct connection to the field. Uh, Lottie served uh, with the Foreign Mission Board until uh, she passed away, and uh, she was a small lady in stature, but a great lady in terms of what she did in China as a missionary. Uh, My understanding is that she was about yay tall, um, but that her ferociousness uh, outdid her in every other capacity. She was a go-getter and a gospel seed planter. 
Um, she, uh, after her death, uh, the, well, we'll get there. The, the, the Women's Missionary Union uh, was founded on May the 11th, 1888, and served to provide missions, education, support, and prayer among Southern Baptist churches. Many of you may know this name, having served on this at some point in the past, and I just wanted to let you know that it still exists to this day. Uh, Women's Missionary Union um, not only does missions, education, support, and prayer, one of the ways that they do support us as missionaries on the field is they provide uh, water filtration systems uh, for missionaries that serve with the International Mission Board. And so the water that comes out of our pipes is not always the best. We know where it comes from, and you probably don't want to drink it. And so they, they save money, they raise money, and they fund these water filtration systems. Did you have any of those when you mm-hmm. served? Mm-hmm. And so uh, most of us capture our water, and it filters through a drip system. That drip system, when it comes out the bottom, um, is what we're able to drink. And about every six or eight weeks, we take the top off, and we're amazed at what didn't come through. It looks sort of like mud. Um, and so the Women's Missionary Union was founded in 1888. Um, the same year, Annie Armstrong, another name that you may know, yes, that's the same Annie Armstrong that we raised funds for for the North American Mission Board, uh, and the WMU solicited the first Christmas offering for foreign missions. The funds were designated to send more missionaries to work alongside Lottie Moon in China, and in 1918 became an annual offering that exists to this day. This is an annual uh, thing that we do. Uh, some churches raise the funds at Christmas time, other do, others do Christmas in July. There's lots of different ways that churches come behind this. Um, but the, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering has become the main way that we fund our missionaries on the field. Mission, missions funds that are received through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering are 100% spent on reaching people on the field. Uh, they don't pay the salaries of um, most uh, people that are in the states. That comes through the cooperative program. It is used to reach uh, the nations and press back the darkness. And so when you give, whether it's a, a dime or a large chunk of change, it is going directly to gospel advance around the world. In 1989, Yvette Ahrens became the first deaf missionary appointed to service in Trinidad. So this is, a, this is, this is, I put this here because most people don't know that we, uh, as the International Mission Board, consider the deaf as a separate affinity. And so uh, in different places around the world, as you can imagine, everywhere around the world, there are deaf peoples. And we have to figure out how do we share the gospel with the deaf. And though they don't speak our verbal language that you and I hear and can say, they also can understand the gospel through their sign language. And so many um, missionaries serve around the world right now in different capacities uh, using deaf ministry as an opportunity to share the gospel with the deaf community. In 1997, the Southern Baptist recommended changing the name from Foreign, Baptist, or Foreign Mission Board to the International Mission Board, and that was accepted at the Southern Baptist Convention of that year. And so that releases a lot of stress for me because from now on I'm going to say International Mission Board and you guys are going to know what we're talking about. So that's a big change uh, for uh, almost um, over 140 some odd years we operated under one name and and mostly in recent time have we operated under the International Mission Board. And so, yep. So uh, one of the, great question, uh, one of the reasons was um, that it's not foreign, them and us, it's international in the sense that it's here and there, like it's all around us, right? So there's international mission, international communicates a word that says 
um, that we're seeking to engage them, whereas foreign, it's more of an abstract thing. And so they made that change uh, to for us to be able to um, more clearly communicate the vision and the function of the board. And so uh, that is the history in about five minutes. All right. If you go on our website, imba.org, you can click on a 175-year timeline, and you can get a lot more information there uh, where you can learn about a more detailed history of missionaries who have served uh, and a more detailed um, timeline. So how do we function? Um, enough about uh, sort of how we've or where we've, uh, how we got to where we are. Let's talk about how we function on a daily basis. Our home office ever since 1845 was in Richmond, Virginia. It was decided at that meeting that it would be there and it has been there ever since. Um, the International Mission Board is headquartered there, though we have people who uh, serve on staff that don't live there like Greg Queen. <laughs> and so we have some other people across the U.S. that live uh, and they work for the International Mission Board without living there. But most of our home staff live and work at our headquarters in Richmond, Virginia. Um, with COVID, most people are working from home still, and, uh, and, and uh, but at the same time, we still have the headquarters there. Our training center is also there uh, in uh, just outside of Richmond, and that's where mo all of our missionaries are trained, equipped, and sent out uh, from. And so, uh, trustees of the IMB are elected by the messengers of the Southern Baptist Convention at the annual meeting and serve defined terms. So we want to bring this a full, a full picture. Last week you guys got the uh, state of the SBC, and we want to remind you of sort of how this functions. Trustees are elected by the messengers at the Southern Baptist Convention on an annual basis. Different, uh, the, the, the terms are, are different for different people. You sort of roll on, roll off for different periods of time. Um, but the trustees are truly the ones that approve and disapprove of missionaries being sent. Uh, they hold the power, and we answer to them. And, uh, and we're thankful for that. As far as it goes for the International Mission Board, I believe we have some of the best, if not the best, trustees in the Southern Baptist Convention who truly love and are passionate about uh, those that they serve. Uh, they faithfully come to the field and they work alongside us. They want to hear from us and they truly care about us as missionaries. And so we are very thankful to have them. Not every entity has that. In 2018, Paul Chitwood was elected the executive leader of the IMB, um, the president, and he continues to serve in that role to this day. There's been lots of presidents, but that is the current president of the International Mission Board. And so where do we work? Across the globe, the IMB uh, does work in eight different affinities. And these eight different affinities are made up on this map, represented on this map. We have the Americas, North Africa, Middle East, Europe, Sub-Saharan Africa, Central Asia, South Asia, the deaf, and our newly created affinity of Asia-Pacific Rim. Uh, that just previously had a different name, and now it's, it's, it's named that to better describe what it represents. Um, one thing that you'll find interesting is that just because uh, a missionary is engaging with someone from, a, let's say, a North Africa and Middle East affinity doesn't mean that they necessarily live in that country. They may live in a country like France, or they may live in um, some of the other uh, European countries and work with North African, Middle East peoples in that place. So you're not geographically limited by being defined by an affinity. 
you're, you're, you're being defined at, by, by the people groups themselves. So the affinities are, if I'm a Moroccan, I'm a Moroccan, I fit into the North African Middle East, whether I'm in France or I'm in Morocco, okay? Um, same for the Americas. So that's uh, Mexico all the way down to the tip of Chile. Uh, and then also, random fact, uh, though Canada is North, Amer North America, we do have some North America or some International Mission Board missionaries who work in Canada, in French-speaking French Canada. And so um, if you can imagine the location, there's a great chance that at this moment, the IMB has someone in the country or engaging people in the country, wouldn't you say? Mm -hmm. um, so there, there may be some exceptions to that. Um, but for the most part, I would say that we are engaging people uh, from north, south, east, and west. Uh, currently speaking, I believe our mission force is somewhere around 3,600 mm -hmm. missionaries uh, serving around the world. Uh, that does not include all of the children. Uh, I said I have four children. Missionaries like to have children. Uh, so there are a lot of us uh, around the world. Um, and so me and my wife do serve in Angola, which is in south left. I make it easy on people. South left Africa. Uh, so South Left Africa is about where that sign is to the, just to the, to the left. That's where we serve. And Greg previously served in West Africa uh, in Senegal. Senegal yeah. uh, and so, yes. Do you know what the peak number was? I believe we were over 5,000 at, 5, yeah, 5,100 at, mm -hmm. at, at one point. Um, and so that gives you sort of a, a idea of where we've been. We've been to 5,100 and we're back down to 3,600. We've got over 1,000 interested peoples in the pipeline uh, to come to the field. Um, and the next category that we get to will sort of explain potentially why we're struggling to get people to the field. But great question. So, so out of that definition, does that count you and your wife? Or yes. You and your wife and your kids? Uh, me and my wife. So um, that is how we function. So what are some challenges? Urbanization is a huge challenge for the International Mission Board. In times past, um, you would have likely seen pictures of uh, missionaries working in huts in remote villages and locations around Africa and Southeast Asia and, and most, most places around the world. Many missionaries still continue to do that, but a majority of our missionaries are beginning to get engage in urban areas. And so urbanization is a challenge for us. Why? Because we've historically not done it very well. And so it's an opportunity, but it's also a challenge. Um, and as people are moving to the city, I know that in Kinshasa uh, uh, DRC, uh, they, on a, a daily basis, nearly a thousand people move to Kinshasa. That's what urbanization looks like. We're talking mass migration from the fields to the towers, from the, from the street, or from, from, from under the mango trees to walking on sidewalks. We're talking about people who really don't even understand where they're living and finding themselves in urban centers like never before. These are some of the challenges that we're facing. Giving, of course, we've got to touch on it. It's a challenge for the International Mission Board. Uh, increased cost of living and operating expenses uh, in many ways are make it challenging for us to really grasp uh, the fullness of what's needed for us to serve in a capacity of 5,100 missionaries again. 
If we're ever to get back there, of course, we celebrate Lottie Moon giving that's higher than it's ever been. Of course, we champion giving. Of course, we want people to give. But the reality is for us to get back to a place like that, giving has to get to a point that keeps up with inflation and the cost of expenses as they grow. And so we praise God for Rocky Creek coming alongside and supporting two missionary families on the field. It's amazing to see that. We need more churches to do that. And so uh, we are engaging with small churches, big churches, all churches in between to see where are you, how can you come alongside us so that we can all rally behind this. One thing that you learned last week, the state of the SBC, as a reminder, is that the Southern Baptist Convention was created to cooperatively work together. We want to cooperate so that the small church that can give 100 and the big church that gives $126,000 are truly working toward the same vision and the same goal, and that's to reach the gospel or take the gospel to the lost around the world. So that's a big challenge that we have. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, access. Continued constraints related to COVID. Um, visa availability and ongoing conflict zones. Um, you can imagine that many of our missionaries work in locations that you may not consider s safe. Um, we would consider them safe, otherwise we wouldn't have them there. Um, but some people may be uncomfortable uh, in those locations, and we praise God for those who have said yes to those hard locations. But these are some of the big challenges that we have. Um, and currently that's why I'm sitting here and not in Angola visa uh, availability. Personnel. Connecting Southern Baptists who feel led to serve with the IMB and seeing them through to field service. Um, of the thousand people that I speak of uh, that are in the pipeline to get to the field, a vast majority of them will never serve with the IMB. And part of that is um, the, the, the uh, expectations and requirements of the IMB are quite strenuous. Um, we've got to be sure that we've examined your health. We've got to be sure that you're theologically sound, that you are practically uh, great at sharing the gospel, that you're doing these things on a regular ongoing basis. And so just because someone raises their hand and says, I want to go, doesn't mean they'll ever make it to the field. We would love for that to be the case. And we pray that that will be a case where we can be able to send more. But it's also the case that sometimes we have to make a choice between sending this couple and this couple because we only have this amount of money. And so right now we have to say, hey, we want to get you to the field, but it might be next year. And so those are some of the challenges that we're working with when we look at the personnel. We have natural, um, uh, what's it called when people come off the field? Um, attrition. Natural attrition is always occurring. Uh, and for a while, we had more people coming off than we had coming to, but that's not necessarily the case anymore, and we're starting to catch back up. Mm -hmm. So we praise God for that. Um, and so those are some of the bigger challenges that we are facing um, at the International Mission Board. I'll press pause. Any questions? All right. Yep. Are we in China at all right now? Um. We're not allowed to say where our personnel serve, yep. but we are engaging the Chinese people. Yes, we can say that, yeah. Yep. There's an underground church. God is doing work yeah. in places we could never imagine. That's it. Yeah. Great question. Yeah. Greg's gonna lead us through our next uh, portion of, uh, of our slides and feel free to sort of stop us as we go. Yeah. Let's see here, hold on brother. Okay. There you go. Person, all right. So just to, kind of give you a feel we basically what I want to cast a vision here is a couple things number one is 
that each one of us, every one of us in this room and beyond, every one of us has a vital part to play in the Great Commission. And so what I want us to leave here today with is understanding, hey, what my role is and how I can be effective in the role in carrying out the Great Commission in reaching the, the gospel and taking the gospel to the nations. Um, the other piece is that really the Great Commission belongs to the church. IMB is just here to serve you. In fact, the only reason that IMB exists is because of church, the church. So we're here to serve you. And a team, uh, I'm a part of a team of nine that we're spread throughout the U.S. and we're each assigned churches to serve in various states. And so I'm serving in churches in North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. Other team members have, um, are picking up or have other states. But our purpose is to go to our churches and say, number one, hey, we appreciate you and your partnership in taking the gospel of the nations. We could not do this without you. And we only exist because of you. And the other thing we want to say is how can we serve you? Because, again, reaching the nations with the gospel, the Great Commission was given to the church. So we want to know how we can serve, the, serve you in doing that. So I want to share with you briefly about what our missionaries do, what we're about on the field. And just give you a kind of a what we call components of the missionary task. So when you think partnership, <clears throat> when we think partnering together to, to, to take the gospel to the nations, we're going to talk about these six components. And then we're going to look at what our mobilization task and what we do, what our team does, and what the IMB is here for you to do and for our pastors and leaders. But let's talk br briefly about each of the components of the missionary task. First of all, there's something called entry. And entry is more than just access to your people group. It's, it is access. It's permission to be there. In, in my context, for me to be somewhere to be able to share the gospel years ago in Senegal, I had to have the permission of the chief or an elder of the village. In some places it's in the city, it looks somewhat, somewhat like that, maybe a leader in the city, a mayor, a government official. But it's more than just that. Sometimes to have entry, to be able to access a people group, our missionaries have to have a platform. In fact, in most of our situations, where we, we are sending missionaries, your missionaries need a platform, a reason to be in the country where they're serving and because they can't be there as missionaries. So sometimes we have to open a business and we have to, our, our role is to create a business, thrive in that business, but at the same time utilize that business as a platform to be able to share the gospel and plant churches and make disciples. So part of entry is that. Another piece of entry is waiting on government approval to give you visas to serve. So all of those are little components of the entry task. But the first component of the task is entry. And we'll have entry in. This is not linear, by the way. This happens wherever we are. It could just kind of like be a circular. We, we start a new work here because we plan a healthy church there. We now have to have permission to be somewhere else in our country or another part of the village or wherever we're serving to be able to share the gospel again. Our next component of the missionary task is evangelism. Now, evangelism, is, is, it is what it, what, what it says it is. It's the foundation of the missionary task. But we cannot forget the entirety of the Great Commission. The Great Commission is about what? Making disciples, exactly right. Which means we're doing more than sharing the gospel. We have to share the gospel to get to our next component, which is discipleship. So discipleship is st centered basically on studying the Word of God together. We take the Scriptures in the context that we're in, and we go through it together as a group of gathered, gathered believers, and we ask questions, and we talk about what the scriptures are saying, we disciple our believers. And then as we gather together to study the word of God, we begin to study and ask questions. Hey, what is a church? What does it look like? And we go through the scriptures, and we talk about that, and then we see what we 
as we gather, we ask questions like what the church and then what the functions of the church, and we begin to see a church form. We plant a church. We want to see a healthy church planted. And then as we study the scriptures together and continue to do that, we get to the next component, which is our leadership development. And we begin to recognize in the church that we're meeting with, the believers that we gather with are beginning to recognize, hey, some of these folks, some of my brothers and sisters, they have special gifts and abilities that can lead this church. Well, we begin to pour into those. We begin to do more than disciple those. Some feel called to lead, and we talk to the scriptures and maybe Titus 1, 5 and 9, and 1 Timothy 3, 1 and 7, and talk about the biblical qualifications for leadership. So we begin to see pastors and church leaders come together in that church that we've planted. And then finally, there's an exit to partnership. And a goal of a missionary is to establish healthy churches and then challenge the church, that church to go and, and take the gospel to the next village, the next neighborhood, the next, your neighbors, your family, your friends, and take that gospel to the unreached with the same goal that we, we had, which is planting healthy churches. I want to make one point here about exit. We, this is not abandonment, but it's basically exiting to partnership. We do the, the Paul model in this, that Paul never really abandoned the churches. As we read through a lot, most of the New Testament is Paul writing letters to his churches. And he's really just checking out, hey, how do you, how's things going? He's, he's encouraging them. So we would continue to maintain that relationship in the churches that we plant. But it's an exit so we can begin to do another work somewhere else. So in that... That's our missionary task. That's the components of missionary task. Well, we also have a mobilization task, and this is kind of what my, the team that I serve on, what we're here for. As leaders, as, as part of our mobilization team, um, what we want to do with our church leaders is we want to inspire our church, and we want to equip our church to pray, give, go, and send. And those are exactly what are all components of the mobilization task, and that's basically what we do to be able to interact with one another. So I want to show you how praying and giving and going. I'm going to try, try to bring some practical application to this. So here we are. What we want to do in, uh, is inspire and equip our, the church to pray and give and go and send. We have our missionary task here. So let's put a grid together. I like visuals to help me explain things here. So the first thing, oftentimes when we think about going on a mission trip, what's the first thing that comes to mind? We're going to have a mission trip. What are we going to do? Travel. What will we do when we get there? Share the gospel. That's the first thing we think about, right? And that is a key component. We mentioned that of, of the missionary task. But there are other ways that we can go and be a part of the missionary task as well. So, for instance, there could be a, a healthy church that's been planted and we begin to see leaders um, that are, you know, feeling called to, to pastor. So, in many cases, a lot of our church leaders... They, they really love to pour into other church leaders, cross-cultural. In, in many conversations that I have with other pastors and church leaders, uh, most of the pastors, are, a lot of them like to say, hey, I, I love to share the gospel, but where I feel like I can make the biggest difference is I would love to go and be a part and work with our missionaries in pouring into the church leaders and blessing them, going through the scriptures, and encouraging them as pastors. So one missionary, one trip could be not just going and sharing the gospel, but it could also be going and pouring into our church leaders somewhere other places. We can also, as a church, regardless of age, remember when I, when we, when I kicked this off, one thing that I want us all to remember is each one of us has a vital part to play. So one way that we can, each one of us has a part to play, regardless of age, is we can pray. And we can pray specifically through the missionary task. So as we partner with our missionaries on the field, many times they'll have opportunities 
to, to enter the village for the first time, enter a city. So they want to be able to pray for that specific role. So in partnership, let's say with the wolves as, as an example, what, what are we praying for you all now, right now? Well, most obvious thing would be to get a visa. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and obviously also praying for our hearts as, as we prepare to go back to the mission field. Right. So we need to pray for the wolves. So last time they applied for the visas. Yep. You got five visas accepted, but you needed six. six. They couldn't go as a family to serve, but they were lacking the one visa. So as a church in support and partnering with the wolves or our other missionaries that we've, we've sent out or partnering with, we begin to pray for them through specific pieces of the entry task, like praying for their visas. All right, so some other ways that we can join, we can give to specific projects. Perhaps that a church that's meeting together has decided as they've talked through scriptures that a building is very important to them. Now that's not the church, we know that. The building itself, the structure is not the church, but as they meet together, perhaps from a Muslim context, what they have observed is, hey, the Muslims, I was once a Muslim, and one of the important pieces of our, our religion was we had a mosque to go and pray, you know, for which we could go and pray in. So to us, as believers, we gather together, we realize in our context, we really need a building. If the Muslims have a building, we want a building. So what we begin to do is talk with them through about a structure. So we, as a church body, in partnership with our missionaries and the local church there, we would could begin to give toward this specific product project where we could help put a structure up where they could meet and worship together. You got another example of maybe when your time in uh, Mozambique or uh, maybe the specific projects or something? Yeah, um, especially, I mean, connected to church formation, you know, one of the other ways that you can give towards that is oftentimes uh, in literate cultures, you may need print material. Uh, and to get to church formation, that may be a barrier that we're, we're faced with. Uh, and so a little known fact is that um, the International Mission Board gets you to where you serve, but doesn't pr provide you with all of the pieces of paper that you need to distribute for healthy church formation. So this is where churches can come alongside and say, hey, we want to give a couple hundred bucks so that you can make copies or get this in the hands of people. And that's just a great way for when we're looking at church formation to come alongside. Yeah. So, yeah. Other examples of the way we could give as a church body. And again, this is like you could even do this as, as children. In small groups, your children can gather a special offering, bring their nickels and quarters in and gather a special offering to give toward a specific project in partnership with your missionaries. Entry, oftentimes, we have to give toward specific projects. Perhaps there's a need for a visa or perhaps there's a need for a, opening a platform, a business, or to dig a well that would gain a, give us access to share the gospel. So we could give toward that project. Uh, Taylor mentioned materials. Discipleship materials are often a great need. And some of us are called some of us are physically able and called to go and serve short term and some of us aren't so for those of us that can go perhaps financially we aren't able to go so we can give to toward individuals to be able to go on short-term trips and i'll just add this as a side note not in the notes Good. but you know if we get the opportunity to go on a short-term trip oftentimes what happens especially the first time you know god begins to do a work in our heart now, and sometimes what happens, God calls our missionaries to serve full term, full time out of those short-term trips. I, I am an example of that. The first short-term trip that I ever went on was out of Rocky Creek to Brazil. And it was there that I began, you know, God began to move in my heart. Or maybe he had been and I just wasn't paying attention. But somewhere there was a connection there that God used that trip to call me and my family to serve full time overseas. 
And so oftentimes if we get to go, that's just a byproduct where we get to that point where we can send missionaries out. So short-term trips and being a part of these trips in partnership through praying, praying through our, for our missionaries that we partner with, praying for our missionaries, praying for the people group, begin to pray for the people with whom, to whom they're ministering, give to specific projects and opportunities to go. All of those could be out, the sending becomes outcome of those things. Oftentimes we think, well, we're not a missional church. We're not sending missionaries out. Actually, the Great Commission belongs to us. We get to be a part of that by praying, giving, and going. And then oftentimes what comes out of that is we get to send missionaries out. Yeah. What else do I have? Yeah, I'll just kind of, that's still on the sending component. And okay. equip, yeah, equip and advance. Just other opportunities we can equip. And, Sorry. That's okay. Just otherwise, oh, the other piece is I wanted to mention. So we want to inspire the church. But we also want to equip the church. And part of that being uh, you know, on, a, on a short-term mission trip or praying specifically for a people group or for our missionaries or giving towards specific projects, we want, to, we want to equip you with those resources to do that and do it well. So the IMB exists to serve you. And so what we want to do is we want to inspire you. We want to equip you to pray, give, and go, and sin. So let's talk a little bit about, so I mentioned earlier, uh, short-term trips can often lead to sending or sometimes just praying and giving and being connected to a missionary oftentimes leads to a change in our hearts that God begins to pour into us and say, hey, you can make a difference. You can be a part of this. So there are pathways. So I'll just open up saying this, a couple of things about pathways. How can we go to the nations? We are sending the nations. First of all, we are at, I think we said 3,600 missionaries. We have 1,000 in the pipeline. Hopefully all of those 1,000 will get through the pipeline. But our goal is by 2025 to have 500 additional missionaries on the field. We hope to be at 4,100 by uh, in 2025. And we're, we're, as IMB, as your sending agency, we are open for business. There are multiple opportunities everywhere from everyone, for every, every age. So, we can send midterm. We mentioned short-term trips as a church. We, can, we have missionaries serving one to three years midterm, and we have some that are committed to serving long-term, like the Wolves, greater, that are more than three years. So here are some ways you can do it. Team associates are self-funded. Sometimes what we do in partnership with our missionaries overseas is that a church says, hey, our missionaries that are serving in Angola, they need some help. There's a couple in this church that feel called to go. We can send them out. We as a church can support them. And we can, they can be self-funded, and they'll be a part of that team. The other pieces are journeymen, which is 30 years and less. Or I guess you'd say, yeah, I don't know what the minimum. but Post-college. Post 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 yeah, post-college, post so 21 to 30 roughly. Singles or married, no children. That's, right. That's our journeyman pathway. Another pathway is ISC, International Service Corps. It's just like a... Uh, a short-term or a three-year assignment with a chance to um, extend that after you return. I like that other slide better to help okay. me talk about There we go. Thank you. <laughs> There's, and then, of course, uh, we have two plus two as well where you can go and serve two years in seminary, get your seminary experience, and then go finish it up uh, two years on the field. The Macedonia Project's another opportunity where you can do your um, long-term call, you have uh, all your, everything's on the field while you're taking sem seminary courses on the field. And you can see the various options. So we've got team associates, which I mentioned, journeyman, ISC, uh, two plus twos, Macedonia, and midterm. And all of, you know, we, what we want to do is we'd love to know what God's calling you to do and talk to you about that and just 
we can discern together what's the best pathway for you and or your family to go and serve. Here's long term. Oh, and here's long term options. Okay, yeah, the field, field support missionary, age 21 plus, three to four years your first term, and that's in the support roles, medical, logistics, member cares, media, missionary associate where you go and serve and you get um, ministry experience required for this. Uh, category in lieu of education. So what we're trying to do, it used to be back in the day, my family and I, I think we were called in 2003 when we, when we hit the field. Back then, we, the, the pathway was pretty much if you're going to serve long term, you need to have seminary and before you go and you had to have a bachelor's and then seminary. So what we're trying to do is open that up. If you don't have a bachelor's, hey, here's a pathway. If you hadn't had your seminary experience, here's a pathway and those kind of things. So anyway, and then church planter apprentice as well for a long term as well. So when uh, my family and I went to the uh, mission field, we actually went as field support for our first two terms. We served as logistics support, helping uh, people with uh, visas, cars, and housing. So the big three that sort of keep people where they need to be. Uh, and so we served in that capacity while also church planning as our side gig. Uh, and now we have transitioned and our primary role is church planting. Um, as we sort of bring this uh, rapid fire to an end uh, I just want to sort of uh, remind everybody of uh, the big the big ways that you can get involved especially here at Rocky Creek um, there's sort of four categories that we uh, and I say the royal we meaning me and Travis and David and everybody sort of involved with missions and sending believe in and that is uh, we believe that you can give go pray and the fourth category that we've added is to know there's an element of knowledge. And so in giving, uh, has God left you to give a financial gift to the IMB through to Lottie Moon? Uh, beyond that, you can also give to special gifts. Um, do you have time to give? Are, are you able to go and serve? Occasionally we have times to serve missionaries in different ways around the world other than what you would normally think. I, I think of a church who sent a missionary group to come and to love on TCKs, what they used to call MKs, missionary kids. They're third culture kids now. Uh, we've got one amongst us tonight, at least one. Um, and uh, we had a church that came out and said, hey, we're going to do VBS on the field so that the parents can get loved on and taken care of. And they came over and they did that. Yeah. And they, they came alongside us and really were a huge encouragement to us. And so uh, in giving, it's not always limited financial, uh, but has God placed something on your heart to give? And if so, we would love to know about that. Going and sending. I believe that those two things do go together. Um, some will go and others will send. Is God leading you to go on a short-term trip? Is God leading you to serve in a long-term capacity? Is God stirring in your heart in such a way that you're ready to serve on the mission field. It may not be with the International Mission Board, but for Rocky Creek, we would love to know where and how and how we can come alongside that. Um, the third category would be praying. Committing to praying for missionaries, local pastors, and new believers on a regular basis. Oftentimes we think of our missionaries because you know, we give some money and, and we send them out and we might think of them because we have a prayer card in our Bible, but there's more to, to what we could be praying for. Local brothers and sisters around the world at this time are being persecuted for their faith. The sermon we heard today of the sheep and the goats is very much a part of the reality that oftentimes we think of the church as the one that we're sitting in on a Sunday morning. But that's not what that text is actually limited to. 
It's the Christians. It's the church as a whole, the big C church. So our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, in China, and these other places, in this moment, we can pray for them. We can come alongside them. We may not be physically beside them. We are supporting them and praying for them as they live. Prayer cards, newsletters, peoplegroups.org is a great resource. And just praying through scripture of what God says is happening, what is going to happen, and how this is all going to play out. Don't forget the Lord's truths when you think of praying for missions around the world. In this last category of knowing, oftentimes we forget about it, but are there opportunities to learn about peoples around the world right now? I know that Christy Warren teaches our children about peoples that they will probably never meet ever in their life. But they learn about them, and these kids eat it up. Our, my, our kids are TCKs, and they come home talking about TCKs around the world. What a blessing that is that at a young age, our kids are knowing what is happening on the mission field around the world. And just what is God doing in Greenville, in South Carolina, and around the world at this point? If you don't know, you ought to know. And if you don't know, we'd love to come alongside you and sort of uh, provide resources uh, and places where you can find that information out. And so with that, I will turn off our fire hose. And just if there's time for questions, we'll take those now. IMB.org is a great place to stop and get some information about people groups, our affinities, specific prayer requests. We have a prayer app, IMB Pray. You can download that. That gives you everyday specific prayer requests that are timely, up-to-date needs and prayer, you know, needs from our missionaries around the world. I encourage you you have have a phone when to download that app. You can also get it off IMB.org. And I'm here for you guys. If there's something that you have a question about that you'd like to know how we can, you know, I can better resource you or IMB can better resource you, I'd love to know how to do that. Hey, one thing also, um, on our calendar, we've got a IMB training that's happening here September 15th. I don't know if this is open to, but I'm, I'm, I imagine we're also going to have some need for hospitality kind of stuff. I want It's a Thursday that's going to happen. So for the APAC region, which is Asia Pacific Rim, um, that it's kind of just IMB has asked if we could be a training spot for them on that Thursday. And so we're going to have our, our facility open to people from outside our church coming in and be trained. And uh, you guys, as far as what those days are supposed to be or what they're, they're supposed to accomplish, can you all speak to that? They've changed a lot. Um, and I'm not exactly sure what that training session will look like. Um, in the past, we've had um, different uh, base camps and different uh, training sessions. So I'm, I'm not exactly sure what that one will look like. But I do think that uh, getting with David Williams, if you're interested in serving with that, would be a great, a great place to start. Yeah. Tim. And in partnership with the Baptist Convention, South Carolina State Convention. Yeah. Okay. What other questions do you have for these illustrious missionaries? That's the beauty of this. We're just normal people who said yes. We're nothing fancy. We just said yes when God said go. We just said okay. So um, catch us anytime. You know Greg, he's homegrown. Yep. Go for it. Like, so I have an opportunity to do an internship 
their church for a year. They don't have a mission pastor. They haven't really thought about yeah. missions overseas. They've never, they haven't done any mission trips. Then they're 19 years of being in church. They just had their first kind of member. I don't know. They might not be a member, but youth uh, say, I want to be a missionary. Sure. Um, how, what are some resources that I could use, and what are some ways that you think I might be able to impact that uh, church body, assuming that I take this year-long internship, in thinking like we're senders and we also have people who should go? Sure. Yeah. I, I would just say I'd love to, uh, are they in this state? Okay. Yeah, I would love to. I would love to get more information and yeah. talk with you know talk with you more. Meet the pastor, um, and just especially for the one the sent one, mm-hmm. and I would love to come alongside both and say, hey, um, you know, pastor, I'm we're here to serve you and resource you and equip you to send this one out well, and um, so we could start there, and then oftentimes what we see happen is one that sent can make a difference in you know growing that that mission strategy and vision in the church after you since you know it works that way also so if you if maybe afterwards yeah. i can get some more information yeah. from you and we'll talk a little more yeah i would love to know how i can help with that it's a good question i would say also just be reminded in fact we've changed our title from church planners to missionary catalyst and the reason i bring that up is you can be a catalyst of change and so because of something has been flowing in a certain direction for a time doesn't mean that it has to go that way forever yep. Um, I would also just say, oftentimes in those situations, um, start slow. Don't, don't start with adopting the house of people of West Africa. Start slow. Snowball. What can you do today? What can you do tomorrow? Why does it all matter? Casting the vision, not because you think it matters, but because Scripture is the solid foundation for which all that we do operates, right? So that would be my encouragement. Trey? Can I ask y'all or the other TTKs in the house that what does a mission house mean yeah. uh, as far as we're in the middle of this process, but from y'all's perspective, that have had to find one somewhat quickly at different points in your life? Like, what is this, as far as you, you think about this space, what does this mean to a missionary from off the field? Yeah. So uh, I believe wholeheartedly that Southern Baptist churches that provide a mission house wholeheartedly are playing into the missionary task every day that a missionary is in that house. The reason is, is that as they come off the field with their baggage, their physical baggage, but also their emotional, uh, cultural uh, challenges that they've experienced, um, they need a place to land that is safe physically, but also sound spiritually. And a mission house is just that thing. Mm -hmm. And so you want to send a missionary back to the field to plant healthy churches, invest in them. This is an investment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a big investment. Um, and so for us, in our experience, having a place that we could land um, that provided us a solid foundation for which we could go back to the mission field was just what we needed. And so that's our prayer uh, for this mission house. Though It won't always be available to us because there's going to be other missionaries that are in it. Um, that we pray that when the Lord opens the door and we come back to the states, that this is a place of safety and solace, that we are refreshed and renewed as we re- look forward to returning and engaging in the M task. Mm-hmm. So. Great question. If that's it, then I would like to just pray for everybody and we'll close it out here. Let's pray. 
Father, you're so good to us. We deserve so much less than you give us on a daily basis. Yet, Lord, you just shine your goodness each and every moment of the day. Lord, Sunday, today has been a long day for so many people, yet these faithful few have come to learn about what you're doing through cooperative churches of the Southern Baptist Convention through an entity that started in 1845 for the sake of taking the gospel to the nations. The same nations, Lord, that you promise that you will return and judge. The same nations, Lord, that you promise that you will have sitting around your throne from every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. Lord, we go because you call. We say yes because we want to walk in obedience. We have this time of just coming and learning because, Lord, we want to serve you today, tomorrow, and every day until you return in a much better capacity than we did yesterday. Lord, love on these people, love on this church. Continue to bless the International Mission Board as it seeks to carry out and to function under the Great Commission for the sake of the nations. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Equip Podcast. Make sure to check out rockycreek.church for complete notes and additional resources. You can also subscribe to this podcast and get weekly courses delivered to you. We hope to equip you for the work of the ministry.